and welcome back to the Novel Universe with just me, your host, Dawn. And today I will be doing my review of Rage of Dragons and Fires of Vengeance by Evan Winter. Is it Winters? Winter. Okay. I wanted to do this review because... Well, I usually do my monthly wrap-up, and the only books I read were these two and Sky Beyond the Storm. Ashley and I did a full review of Sky Beyond the Storm. I will link it below if you want to hear that. And just know that I gave that book a 375. I wasn't quite happy with the ending, so, but you can go back and listen to that podcast if you want to hear our full review. Ashley liked it a lot more than I did. But the other two books that I read were uh, the Burning series, book one and book two, by Evan Winter. So I figured I would just give a little bit more of an in-depth podcast for both of those since I only read those three books for December. And let's just get into The Rage of Dragons. I will start off with the spoiler-free edition, and then I will go into spoilers, and you can see the timestamps in the description below. I am also inviting everyone to... Follow us if you like our podcast. Leave us a comment below. But without further ado, let's get on to the Rage of Dragons. Okay, so I gave this book a 4.5, which means I liked it. I don't give out too many 4.5s and and 5s, so this was actually a shocker for me that I gave this book such a high rating. Because the first quarter of the book I was reading it, I was like, I'm probably not going to give this book higher than a 4. But... As the book progressed, I did start to like it a lot more. Let me give you a 60-second book synopsis. I hate giving the book synopses, but I'm going to do it because this is not a book that is widely read. This is adult fantasy. It is not YA, and I knew that going in. I wanted to read more. Well, I had declared December Adult Fantasy Month, even though I only read two adult fantasies in the whole month, and I read Sky Beyond Storm, but... Anyway, I had declared December um, Adult Fantasy Month because I was just getting kind of bummed out by YA fantasy. So uh, this book was highly recommended and I highly recommend it as well. And it is about, hopefully I can do this in 60 seconds. Okay, so this is in an African setting. And in this world, we have lessers and we have nobles and it is a caste system. This was the people of Omehi, the Omehi people, and they are in constant war with the Hadidi people. Our main character, Tao, something bad has happened to his family, and he is very upset about it. He is a lesser, and he decides that he is going to seek revenge on every Bate, and he does that by fighting and training and fighting and rising up higher in um, his, his group of people, his group of fighters, they are competing to be a part of the Queen's army. Lessers, of course, are not going to be a part of that army. That They're just humoring them. But he's working really hard so that he can seek his revenge on the people who have wronged him. That's what the book is about. Okay, so let's start with what we usually do. We do our dislikes first, and then we go to likes, and I will do that now. I will start my dislikes. These are, once again, this is spoiler-free. The biggest issue, well it's not an issue, but my biggest dislike 
is that this is incredibly plot-driven. I don't like plot-driven stories, and by that I mean there's a lot of fighting on the page. I prefer a more character-driven book, and I have not read too many adult fantasy books. I've read at least five. I've read the fifth season. I read book one and book two of that. I read The Red Sister by Mark Lawrence, Assassin's Apprentice, I'm Reading the Name of the Wind. I read something else recently too, can't remember. But anyway, those books have been incredibly world-driven. It's a lot of world-building and a lot of character development. And so when I started this book, I was like, you know, I'm going to get a lot of world, I'm going to get a lot of characters, and I didn't get that. I got a lot of plot and war and it almost started to read like a YA because YA books tend to be not all of them but a lot of them tend to be uh, heavy on plot to keep the teens interested I suppose and that's how this book started and I was like oh god I'm not gonna like this and but I stuck with it because you know it's my own fault for not reading what the book was about perhaps if I had read that this book was about war I may not have picked it up I'm glad I didn't because I'm, I'm glad I read it. I don't read uh, plot synopses when I pick up books. I just kind of go off of recommendations or Goodreads reviews. And I don't read what the books are about because of spoilers. Sometimes there's, it's not technically spoilers, but I consider it to be spoilers. So I just don't read it. And then that's my own fault. It's my own fault and I realize that. So not only do I not like plot driven books, I also don't like war. I hate war anything. I don't like it in movies. I don't like it in TV. I don't like it in books. And this book is riddled with it. It is a war book. And so, um, but that's a me problem. It's not the book's problem. The fight scenes were done really well. The war scenes were done really well. The plot was done well. It's just, I tend to not go for that. And the biggest reason why I rated this book a four and a half and not a five is because the world was info dumped. And by that, I mean, we get like 60 not maybe 50 40 percent of the book and then all of a sudden Tao visits a friend and she just kind of just like word vomits the entire world and I'm like we couldn't have spread this out a little bit I info dumping is a deal breaker for me meaning that if a book is info dumped I am gonna automatically drop it stars and that's what I did here the world was interesting enough for me to keep going so it was, I mean, at the end of the day, it was fine, but I still dropped it a little bit for the info dumps. And so those are all my dislikes of this book for my likes. This, I read a lot of fantasy. FYI, I am black. And it is really difficult to find a fantasy that has any black characters, let alone an all black cast of characters. The Earth. The fifth season, my bad. The fifth season also has a predominantly black cast as well. And that was not the first time I read a book like that. I think it was Children of Blood and Bone was the first time. It was like all the characters were black. And that's not something that happens at all. This is, a, this is, it's not new, but it's starting to become hopefully a little bit more mainstream. It's not going as big as I, or growing as fast as I would like it to but it's just really it was really weird to read a book where every character was black and that's unfortunate that I say that 
that shouldn't be the case. And it, it, it was, it was, it was weird for me to go into a book and automatically picture all the characters black. Because when I read a book and the main character appears on the page and it's usually a girl, I automatically picture her white and blonde and tall and thin. That's just automatic how I picture the main character until she is described to me. That's, that's a fucking shame. That shouldn't happen. But you know, that's how it always is. And it may be not necessarily blonde, but she's, she's always white. So I just, I, it was refreshing. So I did like the all black cast. The pacing was done really well. It was never boring. I have to say there was always going, going, going. There was no fluff. And by that, I mean, Evan did not describe some stupid tree just because he wanted to like if he's telling you something or talking about something it's gonna come back in the story it's important to the story so because of that the pacing was really quick um I flew through both books they're both 500 pages the first one is a little bit more than 500 pages but I read these books in less than a week which is a feat for me to read a 500 page book in less than a week I like Tao. He is the main character. I believed his revenge story. I was rooting for him. I never thought that his training was too quick or he just automatically is this fierce fighter and he's kicking ass and taking names and it just came out of nowhere. I never felt that way. And I'll go into that a little bit more. But I like Tao a lot. Is he the most original character I've ever read? No, he's not. As a matter of fact, I don't think he had much of a personality at all, but he was an underdog and I was rooting for him and I liked him because of that. I did like the world, even though it was info dumped. It was interesting to me because it really incorporated the underworld. I am sure this is not the first book that has ever done that, but this is the first time I've read it. So it's new to me. I've never read a book that really really went into the underworld of course there are books that mention the underworld but this is the first book I've read where the underworld played a huge part in the mythology and in the action and this book also had some pretty good themes colonialism classism and power and themes make a book critical I like a critical book I don't really care for fluffy books that are just there for funsies I do read fluffy stuff but I do like for there to be some critical merit to a book and this book had it overall you know that's pretty much why I like the book overall I like the pacing I like the main character I like the world it was info dumps but what I got of it I liked it it was a pretty good book I will I highly recommend it if you have been hearing about it and I'm pretty sure you have if you are a fantasy reader, uh, Evan Winter, I believe, self-published this book. And then people started talking about it. And then he got picked up by Orbit. And it just kind of went off last year. It was published in 2019. And it kind of became this thing. So great for him. Uh, so it, 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 it's not really a polarizing book. I am going to do a little segment where I talk about some one-star Goodreads reviews. Uh, so, But it has over a 4.0. It's like a 4.4 or something like that for the first book. That may be a little high. I don't know. But it's got a pretty high rating, which means there's a lot of fives over four or over twos and threes. 
which means it's, you know, people like it. It's a pretty good book. I do recommend it. But now let's get into some of the Goodreads complaints. So just like pretty sure most of you do, I will go on Goodreads and if there is a book that I loved, I will go and see what people are complaining about and why they gave it a one. And then I judge them. <laughs> well, I don't really judge them. I kind of do. So what I do is when I read their one star review, I will go and look and find the books that they gave a five star to. And if it's some bullshit, then I'm like, well, you know, this person doesn't have really good taste anyway. <laughs> so whatever. I give a lot of I don't give a lot of one star reviews, but you know, I have been given the name criticizer of books for a reason because I dislike books more than I like them. I rarely give fives. I give more, way more ones than I give fives. But when I give a one, I give reasons. Like, I try my best to give good reasons when I give a book, especially a popular book, a one or a two. I try my best to give really good reasons. Some people were just like either giving dumb reasons, inaccurate reasons, or just like, this book was boring, one, like, okay. So this is what I saw the most often. Too many fights. Okay, this is a war book, and it's about a guy trying to get revenge. So there's going to be a lot of fighting. That's on you. If you go into a book, you read the synopsis, and it says, Tao is set on revenge, and this country, all they do is fight, then you're going to get a lot of war, you're going to get a lot of fights, like... Come on. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to forgive that. That's, of course there's too many fights. It's a war book. Um, a lot of people were upset because it was compared to Game of Thrones meets Gladiator and they were really upset that it wasn't Game of Thrones. Okay, that's not the author's fault. The publisher does that to sell books. I don't listen to that bullshit anymore because it's never what the publisher says they're only trying to sell you a book if you fall for that that's on you this book is not game of thrones just because there's a dragon in the title does it not mean it's game of thrones so let's just put that out there right now not enough women this i will agree with so a lot of people were complaining that this is a matriarchal society they have goddesses only the women are gifted, like women are held in high esteem in this book, like only the women are mayors, like women are really important in this book. However, there were barely any women in this book. I will agree with that. Zuri was kind of in the book, but not enough. Zuri is the girlfriend. And the queen, sorry, she's barely in the book at all. So that I will agree with. Lots of names to pronounce. Okay, so that's true. And I, I was also getting a little frustrated with the amount of proper nouns because there were locations and names and he was just like throwing it in your face from page one. And I was like, damn, I can't keep up. And then luckily I looked and found that there was a glossary. I just, by ha I just happened to, to go back and look because usually books that have a lot of names, they do have a glossary. Thank God I did. It was helpful. But some people were saying stuff like, and when I say some people, I mean white people, were saying stuff like, it's just a bunch of, it's just this book that I've read a million times with a bunch of African names. So I just want to be like, okay, uh, white people, just be a little bit careful when you say stuff like that, because that could be considered offensive. They were also saying stuff like, 
it's just a bunch of names that I can't pronounce. And blah, blah, blah. It's like, you mean to tell me you can't take the time to pronounce an African name? Come on. Just once again, just be a little bit more mindful of what you say in your reviews because it can come off a little offensive. Somebody else said, this was just like children of blood and bone. All this was was another children of blood and bone. It's not. Just because it's set in an African location doesn't automatically make it like children of blood and bone because it is not like it at all. So just be careful when you say stuff like that, white people. Um, no dragons. There were no dragons. Okay. So yes, the title of the book is called Rage of Dragons. There is a dragon on the cover and there are barely any dragons in the book. So when that happens, when you're reading a book, and you're finding that the title isn't matching the content, perhaps it's a fucking metaphor. Tao is a dragon. He is full of rage. He is the rage of dragons. Oh my God. Um, world building. I would agree with that. The world building was info dumped. It wasn't enough of it. I totally agree with that one. Someone, um, there were a couple people that were saying that this was set supposedly an African country and or yeah an African type setting with um, African language but there were a lot of European buildings I have no opinion on that because I don't know much about European buildings so I'll just have to agree I don't know um I mean I can see I can see why they're saying that so that was what the majority of people were saying I'm um, sorry if I got a little bit bitch a but there were people that were saying some really dumb stuff and it was it was just really funny I'm like it's too much fighting in a book called war war of dragons dragons are not cuddly they fight anyway okay so that's my non-spoiler edition I am going to go in my spoiler edition of rage of dragons in five four three two one okay Spoilers, let's talk about Tao first, since he is the main character. Once again, a lot of people are complaining about the, the fighting and the training. I, too, thought it was a lot of fighting. and But this is coming from someone who doesn't like plot-driven stories and who doesn't like fighting. I, I particularly don't like fighting because I have a hard time picturing it. And I... And so if I can't picture it, it just kind of takes the enjoyment away from me. So I that's the only reason why I don't like fighting and war and battles and stuff in books. But a lot of people were saying that Tao was insufferable. He was annoying. I can't believe that he's just like training, training, training. And now he's this great fighter. Okay, well, here is my rebuttal. Tao has been training to fight forever his father is training a petty noble and he trained how along with him he just wasn't his heart wasn't in it and he just wasn't trying very hard but he's been fighting forever he knows the fundamentals he knows how to wield a sword he can fight he's just he just doesn't want to and now when he has a reason and revenge is driving him, he's going to try hard and he's going to be good at it if you try hard and you practice. So it, I do believe that he went from like shitting in his pants 
to wielding two swords and killing mofos. Like, I believe it because he was a fighter since he was a kid. He trained, he trained in the underworld, fighting literal demons. And now he, 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 he ignored everything and everybody. And all he cared about was fighting for, I don't know how long, but a while. So I believed all of that. A lot of people are saying that Tao does not grow. I disagree. He does, he, he grows in a minor way. Um, and by minor, I mean, it's, it's a small growth. However, this guy witnessed his father dying who he, well, his father being murdered and it was kind of his fault a little bit. And I think some of that revenge has guilt, a little bit of guilt in there. He feels a little bit bad about that. It was, he was the reason why this happened partially. Odile didn't have to make an example of his father, but he, at the beginning or most of the book, he's like, I don't care about you. I'm going to leave you behind. I'm going to go after Kellen. I'm going to go after Odile and I'm going to right the wrongs that they have done to me and my family. But at the end of the book, he has to choose between helping his friend and chasing Odile, and he chooses to help his friend. When early in the book, he wouldn't have done that. So there is a small amount of growth. This is a trilogy, at least. So I don't expect him to go full circle by the end of the first book. That's just not realistic character growth. He's going to grow in increments as the book progresses. So as the series progresses, so. This amount of growth was just enough. I didn't find him to be insufferable, though. You know, he was upset. And people were telling him, you know, look, Kellen's not a bad guy. And he's like, fuck you, he is. And I was like, well, you know, he's got to find out for himself, which he did. And he grew with Kellen, too. That was another bit of growth for him, too. He did see Kellen as the guy, the good guy that he was. Um... The whole seeing demon thing. So Zuri was telling uh, Tao that you have to be careful when you go in the underworld because people will start to see demons and they won't be able to tell if the demons are, when they're out of the underworld, they won't be able to tell if they're literal demons or if they're seeing things. And so at some point Tao starts to see demons out and about and he's like, wait a minute, are these Am I losing my mind here or <laughs> what's happening? So I think this is kind of a, it's kind of a, a symptom of revenge. When you are dead set on revenge, it starts to mess with your head a little bit and you kind of have to let that go. Otherwise you are not going to, you're not going to be right. I probably could explain that a little bit more. You know what I'm trying to say. Like being like being driven with revenge, it's going to mess with your head and you're not going to be a healthy person. And we start to see that with Tao. And also, as I was saying in the non-spoiler edition, Tao is the dragon in the story, at least I think so. Dragons represent uh, power and strength and chaos, and that's kind of what Tao is. I think he is the dragon in the story. Even though there are dragons in the story, it's not really about them. They are pissed off because of what these people do to them, but it's about Tao. I think Tao is a dragon. 
So I did like Tao a lot. I thought he contributed a lot to the story. I, like I said, I was rooting for him. I, he's an underdog. I, I don't know. I, 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 no, I don't know. I liked him a lot. I thought, like I said, he's not a new voice in fantasy. I, you know, I've read this guy before. I've seen this guy in movies and TV before, but I enjoyed his story. I was along for the ride. Okay, so let's talk about the oh, the Omehi people. I always want to say Ohemi, but it's Omehi people. Okay, so another another thing I saw in the Goodreads reviews is someone was saying that, am I supposed to be rooting for the Ohemi, oh sorry, the Omehi people because they're terrible people? Oh, fucking duh, they are terrible people. And in the prologue, Winter basically says the Omehi people have come here to try and wipe out the Hideni people. Like, they're horrible people. We're not supposed to be rooting for them. They're colonizers. They're killing people off. If you kind of equate them to the Europeans and Native Americans, they're the Europeans in this situation, and they're trying to kill all the Native Americans off of the United States. Well, it wasn't the United States at the time, but you know what I mean. The land that Americans live on now. And um, it's a little... It's obvious and it's not obvious as far as, well, it's not obvious. And by that, I mean, you as the reader, when you're reading the first, the prologue, you think it to yourself, okay, so you're calling these people savages when they're just trying to get their land back from you who took it. Like, they're not savages. They're angry. (laughs) And they have their own religion, they have their own customs, and just because you don't do them doesn't make it wrong. And I'm supposed to be rooting for you? But at the same time, the Hedeni people are killing off my favorite characters? It's like, oh, I don't know who to root for. I don't know what I'm supposed to, I don't know who I'm supposed to back. And that's the point. That's the reason why Winter put that in the prologue, because you as the reader are not sure who you are supposed to be rooting for. So technically, at least in my opinion, you should be rooting for the people who are trying to create peace, which would be Sora. I'm going to call her Sora, not to Sora. It sounds clunky. And Jaid. That's who you're rooting for. And not the nobles. Um, so I did like that. And it's not on the nose. He doesn't come out and say, Hey, reader, these Omei people are colonizers. And you shouldn't root for them. Um, uh, you shouldn't root for the Hideni people either because they're killing off your favorite characters. So, you know, just kind of make up your own mind. Zuri kind of at one point is like, um, I think we're the bad guys here. But, <laughs> but I mean, other than that, Winter doesn't really like shove it down your throat. He allows you to kind of decide on your own. The world... Um, I kind of talked about the world already as far as what I liked about it in the underworld and everything. I don't know how I feel about Tao literally fighting his demons. That's on the nose. But, I mean, whatever. It was fine. The classism was a little on the nose, but that's okay. I say that a lot. I apologize. The classism was like shoved in your face. It's like they're literally called lessers. Okay. Um, but 
But I liked that element thrown into the story because Tao is basically the Mockingjay. That's how I see him. He's the Mockingjay. He doesn't want to be the Mockingjay. It's too fucking bad he is. And the the nobles are just they want power that's all they want they don't want to mix with the hideni they don't want to mix with the lessers because they're afraid that their blood is going to be poisoned and they're not going to be powerful anymore and they're not going to have any power anymore and they don't want to lose their power it's as simple as that and odili is going to do everything that he can to stop that from happening so I did like that portion of the classism theme, if you will. I liked all that. The one thing that I was kind of, I was like, what's, what, what is happening here? What is this? What is this? At the end of the book, we get the perspective of a Hadini warrior woman. And I'm like, why are we shifting POVs? And at first I was like, I hate it when authors do that because... <laughs> Usually that happens when the book is told in first POV and then out of nowhere we get the first POV of a character that didn't have their own POV before and at the end of the book they get their own. Like, that's lazy writing. This is not what's happening here. So I ended up liking this chapter a lot because we get this Hedini woman and first of all, we are learning about the Hedini people through her. She's a mom. She's uh, in the military. And she's a wife. And she, you know, she's living her life and then she has to go fight and then she goes back to her kids and, you know, they're just people. So that chapter was important for that reason. And then the second reason is this entire book, it is told in third person POV, but we are seeing everything, the majority of stuff through Tao's eyes. And we are seeing what Tao sees and how Tao interacts with people and how people interact with Tao through his eyes. But in this Hedini woman's chapter, she sees a demon. And we don't see that because we see a guy who's just really pissed that his father was murdered. And he is going to go on this happy journey of killing the people who did it. That's all we see. A guy who's upset that his dad was murdered. We don't see a monster. But this Hedini woman, who is no joke, she sees a monster and she runs. And at that point, as as me, as the reader, I'm like, oh, so this is what people are seeing when he comes around that corner with them damn swords. Okay, I get it now. That's terrifying. It's terrifying. And it kind of makes you scared of Tao. Because up until this point, you know, you're not really scared of him. You think he's a badass, but you're not necessarily scared of him, but... Seeing him through this woman's eyes, you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, that's terrifying. So I really did like her chapter. And finally, Zuri's death. I knew she was going to die because I didn't see Tao becoming the queen's champion. Like, I didn't see that coming at all. However, I did think that they were going to have Tao and Sori, Sora, sorry, Sori is the other champion, hook up. Like, I knew they were going to be a couple because his name starts with T. <laughs> and up until then, all the other champions and queens have 
names that start with T. So I was like, okay, well, his name isn't Tao by accident. So I am going to guess that because he's her champion, him and Sora are going to have a relationship and he can't, and Zuri cannot be in the way. So it was terrible though. I mean, him screaming on his knees and Uduak is comforting him. Oh my God, that was heartbreaking. That was hard, even though I saw it coming, but oh, that was tough. But that's all I have for War, Rage of Dragons. I keep wanting to call it War of Dragons because there's so much war. Rage of Dragons, that's all I have for this book. But I am going to go right into Fires of Vengeance because I just finished it a couple days ago. And I'm going to start that book in, in a second. First of all, I'm going to tell you that if you were kind of on the fence about Rage of Dragons, I do recommend going into reading book two, which is already out. All right. Here is my spoiler-free review of Fires of Vengeance in 54321. However, there will be spoilers for book one. So if you are looking at the timestamp and you are seeing that I am going to start talking about Fires of Vengeance, but you haven't read War, sorry, again, Rage of Dragons, I'm going to be spoiling Rage of Dragons, so you should probably click off now because I'm going to spoil book one. Okay. I'm not going to spoil it for the people who have not read it yet. At least not now. Okay, Fires of Vengeance, I gave a four. I didn't quite love it as much as the first book. It really bummed me out that I didn't. I was hoping to give this at least a four and a half, and I usually that's how it goes. Like, when I give a first book, like, a really high rating, usually the series is also going to be pretty high. That's usually how it goes. And this one didn't quite get it for me. Um, so let's start with the, oh, I guess I should say what this book is about. Okay, so in Fires of Vengeance, it continues right where we left off with Rage of Dragons, and Tao is now the Queen's Champion. And Odili is pieced out with Isai, who is Sora's sister. And he's like, peace out. I'm taking her. She's a new queen. And we're going to hightail it to Palm City. Yeah, Palm City, which is a, another big city. And he is basically committed treason. He is starting to plan a coup. He is trying to get all the other fiefs and mayors. I'm going to call them mayors. I can't remember their title. He's going to get tr- the... Um, boss? No, that's something else. Anyway, he's going to try and get all the other people in the country to the Omehi people to join his cause and try to take down the queen. In the meantime, they're also fighting the Hedini. Okay, so that's what this book is about. Spoiler free dislikes. I felt this book was a little long. Around the 50% mark, I was like, okay, it's starting to drag ass. A bit and that's because we have training again but this time they're training in Isahogo which is the underworld and it was a lot of it and I was over it at about 50% and I'm not gonna lie I did skip a little bit because every time they got to this Isahogo I was like skipping time don't care about this probably with some important information but nonetheless I did skip it there was 
a character, I'm not going to say who because it's a spoiler, but this character has decided that they want their own revenge on Tao. And they decide in the middle of the book that they're going to ask for that revenge. And Tao is like, really? We're doing this now? Um... We got the Hedini people trying to kill us and we got the Odili people trying to kill us. I don't think this is the right time for it. Can we wait until after the Hedini and the Odili is situated? And that's kind of how it felt. It was like, hey, Tao, I fucking hate you. Let's fight. And Tao's like, oh, can we wait? And he's like, okay. And then that's it. You don't hear about it anymore. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't think I like that very much. I will speak more about that in the spoiler edition. Then there was, at the end of the book, a character who may not be who they seem to be. Because there's another character who is describing said character as something different than what we've been reading this whole time. And I'm like, really? We're doing this in the last 75 pages of the book? And I don't know if that's going to continue on to book three. I don't know. I don't know if he's setting that up for a reason. I don't know, but it's a nitpick. But I was just like, okay, we're doing that. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> and finally, my biggest dislike is that once again, it was all info dumped. So in the first book, in the prologue, they kept mentioning the cull. And I'm like, what is a what is the cull? And of course, I do the logical thing and I go to the glossary and the freaking cull is not in the glossary. And I'm like, okay. So I get to the end of book one and we still haven't talked about the cull and who they are and what they want. And I'm like, did I miss something? I'm pretty sure I read every page, every, not every word of the first book. I was kind of skipping the trainings in the first book. I'm not going to lie. But they wouldn't be mentioning the cull in the trainings, you know, maybe. I don't think they were, but. I was really confused. And then Sora is like, hey, Tao, let me tell you a story about the cult and let me info dump it in two chapters. And that's what happened. So we got another info dump of the cult. And this is why I don't like info dumping. So when information, important information is weaved throughout the story through dialogue and some information given and maybe a story in the square or maybe a flashback, I don't know, and it's all weaved in throughout the story. It's usually reinforced throughout the story, so just in case you forgot, I'm going to mention it again, but it's not going to be in your face mentioned again, it's just going to be like, hey, 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 this was a lot of information, I'm just going to repeat again just in case you forgot. But when it's info dumped, it's all in this one chapter, and it's just all just like listed for you, and then it's not mentioned again, and then you forget. And you're like, wait, who is that again? What? What? And this is how, this is what happens again in this book. She info dumps the cull, and I had to go back and reread it because I have totally forgotten. what I was like, wait, who's the cull again? I totally forgot. I was like, are they people? Are they spirits? I don't know. So it was info dumped. But if you read book one and you were like, who the hell are the cull? It does get answered in book two. So there is that. And those are my dislikes. Um, a lot of it are nitpicks. The biggest reason why for the the 4.0 is because of the info dumping and because of the Isahogo training, which was a lot. Okay. My likes is, once again, Tao. Tao grows even more 
in this book than he did in the first book. And like I was saying, he's going to grow in smaller amounts throughout the series. He's not going to, you know, come full circle at the end of book two. That doesn't make any sense. There's another book coming. We have to wait until the last book until he totally grows, assuming he doesn't die because it's told in third person. <laughs> um, so I liked his growth in this book. Once again, he grows a lot in this book and he starts to recognize what the nobles are doing are wrong. And as, particularly with the Hedini people, he's like, okay, something's amiss here. I don't, I don't know. I don't think I like how this is going. I also like that, you know, there were some characters in particular one character who was not, it's Naya. And Naya, I think is Sora's, main advisor and she you know she was kind of up in Tao's ass a lot and she was one of those you're a lesser people but even still he was like Sora loves you and I fight for the queen and I will do anything in my power to protect you Naya even though you treat me like trash and so I like that I like that he was like I am here to protect people he will risk life and limb to protect these people, which is honorable, and I like that a lot. Um, so this book does have more women in it. I think that Winter kind of heard the complaints of not enough women because there are a lot of women. So there's Sora plays a much bigger role, and her her main counselor, Naya, who I just mentioned, and then there are some nurses that show up that play a big role there's a couple of gifted ladies that are here too and then there are two ladies who I liked a lot and their names were Aset and Ramia and they were two very trust they were they were trusted advisors and they were also really good fighters and I don't know if you've seen The Witcher or read the books but in the books there are two characters called Taya and Vea and they kind of reminded me of them. But the, the TV show Taya and Vea, not the book Taya and Vea. In the books, I believe they are a little bit more um, a sexy. Because I want to say that they have a three-way with the Witcher, I think. Um, but in the show, they're just like warriors and they like fight for their guys. So they really kind of reminded me of Taya and Vea. Um, but they were funny and they were just strong ladies and I like them a lot I hope they don't die in this book I'm not gonna say if they did or not because it'll be a spoiler so whatever but yeah they were good um I think that's it I know that's not a lot of likes but I mean it's kind of the same thing with book one the pacing well I did say it was kind of long but with the exception of the Isahogo stuff the pacing was done really well never really slowed down it, it it was me I didn't like the Isahogo stuff it's it, it was still moving it was just me so it's not the book's fault the book was still very well paced um there were some supporting characters more supporting characters and uh some of our favorites were back Hadith and Uduak and uh some of the others. Thimba, I don't really remember him too much in book one, but he's back and cheeky as always. Um, 
once again, you know, you do get an explanation about how everything came to be. So that's good. So you do get more world, even though it is info dump, you do get more world. So those are my likes. Overall, it was a good book. It ended on a cliffhanger per use. I think this is Winter's Jam as he likes to end on a cliffhanger. I'm not mad at it because it makes me want to read book two or book three. All right. So that is the spoiler free edition of Fires of Vengeance. Read it. If you read book one, you're not sure if you want to read book two. I say go for it because, you know, it's pretty good. A lot of the problems I had were me problems, not the book's problems. All right, so starting spoiler editions of Fires of Vengeance in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Okay, let's once again start with Tao. We always start with Tao because he is the main character. Um, let me see. So he, what I was saying was that he's growing a lot more in this book. And we see it early on when they are fighting the Hidini on the beach. And the woman who kills Jaid, he faces her again and he kills her this time. And he, she's dropped a picture of her children. And he's like, shit. And he thought that killing this woman would give him satisfaction because he avenged Jaid's death. But he didn't feel that satisfaction. And that's a sign of growth because he's starting to realize that killing these people are not going to bring your loved ones back. It's not going to make you feel better. It's just going to make you feel shitty because you killed a mother and a wife. And a woman who's just trying to live her life and just trying to defend her land and her people. And that's really shitty. And so that's one way that he really grew. So in the first book, like his friends go to the bar and he's like, I don't want to go to the bar. And they're like, come on. And he does. But he always leaves and goes to Zuri. And because of that, you know, he trains by himself. He sleeps all day and kind of trains by himself. And then he goes to the underworld. This is all in book one. Trains by himself. He's kind of isolated. And at one point, um, when Hadith like gets almost murdered and Uduak is like distraught, he doesn't he's so consumed by his own shit that he didn't even realize that two of his like brothers essentially are lovers. And I think that's when he starts to realize that damn, I am so caught up in my own stuff that I'm not paying attention. I'm not paying attention to the people who I have sworn to protect. And so once again, he starts to make more of an effort to be in these men's lives and the women's lives because, you know, he feels kind of shitty about that. Um, but then comes his mom and I'm like, oh, damn, I like his mom, but I don't like his mom. So uh, Kana goes and like murders everybody in his village or his town or something not everybody but he murders the people that are important to him including his sister and his mom's step or his mom's husband and I think he makes them watch and or he makes the mom watch and she's blind and the whole thing and then she's like you are the queen's champion Oh, like you're a lesser bullshit. But then she starts to come around and she's like, I want you. I don't care. I want you to avenge everybody. I don't care what you have to do. And at this point, he was starting to back off that a little bit. He was starting to feel bad for Kana or Kana, who is the prince. He killed um, Achik, the king of Hadini. He killed him in front of him. Not in front of him, but he held up his severed head. Anyway, he starts to feel really bad about that. And he... 
he wants to he doesn't want to hurt Kana and here comes his mom and he's like no mom no and she's like you're gonna do it damn it and he's like okay and he you know he wants to make his mom proud and at the same time he doesn't want to feel this way anymore and I'm just like oh god so she sets him back which you know is a good conflict I wasn't complaining about it it was just dang it you've come so far and here she comes I kind of hate it that she was there she is going to be a rabble rouser she is going to cause some problems I think she's going to come between him and Sora because they have started to develop a romance which we all saw coming but I think she's going to be the Yoko and she's going to ruin something she's going to get in the way somehow and I'm not for that I mean it's good for conflict but <sighs> she was getting on my nerves <laughs> Um, so what I was saying in the spoiler free edition with the character that was just like, it's revenge time, it's Jabari. And I'm like, really? Lacan was a dick. And this is what you want to do? Really? I'm just like, oh God, here we go. And I know he's setting this up for book three. I don't, I'm not here for it. I don't want him and Jabari to fight. Yeah, he killed his brother. Yeah, that sucked. But Lacan was a dick. I mean, and everybody knew it. Like, and Jabari was just like, I know, but he was my brother. And I'm just like, oh, God, here we go. So I didn't like that because it was just kind of out of nowhere, kind of. I mean, Jabari was stewing a little bit, but. So now it's like, oh, God, is now Jabari the new Rage of Dragon? I got to hear his damn revenge story. No, thank you. <clears throat> okay, so what I was saying about the whole East. Um, okay. I was saying that there's a character in the last act of the book where we don't think it's like she's not who she has been the whole time. And I'm talking about Sora. And so when Isai comes into the picture, we I don't know, Evan Winters likes to do this a lot where he will, it's winter, not winters. He will give the villain their own chapter to make the reader sympathize with them for that one chapter. It's like, dude, could you like introduce them a little bit earlier in that one chapter? But anyway, so he did this with Isai and Odili. And we find out that, yes, Isai is, she wants power too. She doesn't want to to merge with the Hedini either. And she's PO'd because she was supposed to be queen. And uh, so she, I think she kind of like told Adili to do all of this. I don't think it was him who was the initiator. I think it was her. And so while we're in her chapter, she is talking about how manipulative and underhanded and really shitty Sora is. And I'm like, okay, we haven't seen this side of her. Yes, she is the queen. She is like, look, mofos, you're going to do it. And I said it and you're going to do it. And But she's the queen. Of course, she's going to tell people what to do. But I have not seen this manipulative person so far and here comes Isai we love Queen Sora because she wants peace here comes this hoe bag and she's like Isai is, or Sora is a manipulative bitch and I'm like damn it I'm hoping I mean I don't want to say I'm hoping that that's not the case because it would create some good conflict in book three and if she's a monster and then Tao is a monster then they could be monsters together that could be it too I don't know Maybe this whole let's merge with the Hedini is just all a ploy. And I don't know. I don't know what her jam is because all the other queens before her were released the dragons. Like they were like, no, I'm saving my people. 
and they tried to like broker peace but the nobles were like no and so then they were like fine motherfuckers i'm gonna release the dragons and i don't know if she's gonna do the same thing i don't know but we're, she's been set up as kind of this secret manipulative person i don't know how i feel about that um i don't like it that it happened in the last 75 pages of the book though i'm like could we kind of plant it a little bit of thing maybe he did plant some stuff and i missed it i don't know the romance between, like I said, Tao and Sora, I saw it coming. I knew that Zori had to go to make room for the two of them, especially when she named him champion. I was like, okay, well, they about to be getting their freak on. And I liked the romance. I thought it was slow. The end of it when they were like, <laughs> at the very end when he thought something happened to her. And he was like, oh my God, I thought you died. He kissed her. And then Aset was like, it's about damn time. <laughs> Those two ladies are funny. So I'm all for the romance. However, Evan Winter does not write sex scenes very well. That sex scene between Zuri and Tao was shitty. That was not hot. It was the opposite of hot. It was bad. And so hopefully he like reads romance, maybe talks to a couple of ladies and, you know, let them like help him out or something or some men who write good sex scenes. I don't know, but Jay Kristoff can write some pretty steamy sex scenes. Maybe he needs to like have him help him out. I don't know, but I'm not looking forward to the sex between Tao and Sora. I'll tell you that much. Uh, okay. So we finally learn what the call is. Freaking finally. The whole story about the Omehi and them combining to be one race with the nobles, because originally it wasn't that. I mean, that was an interesting little tale that Sora had to say. I'm losing my voice, sorry. <clears throat> but the cull, I'm like at the beginning of the book, I still wasn't sure if they were humans. Are they spirits? Are they demons? Not quite sure. I guess they're men with silver skin that's cool I'm like okay is this a totally different race of people and the shaman at the very end were like um guys the white walkers are basically coming and we need to join forces <laughs> so maybe they're the white walkers I don't know the civil walkers I don't know but I'm kind of interested in the cull now we have a new enemy so we just got rid of one and now we've picked up another one and then we have the Denny people so I don't know if it's going to be like Game of Thrones where they'll be like hey Cersei aka Kana we need to get together to fight the White Walker and the um what the hell is his name oh my god what's his name shit did the leader of the White Walkers you know what I'm trying to say. The Night King. Oh, my God. The Night King. We got to defeat the Night King first. And then they fight. Maybe it's going to be that. Hopefully, it'll be a better ending. And then Game of Thrones. But anyway, yeah. So, that's cool. I'm excited about the cull. Okay, and one more thing. So, in the first book, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But I believe in the first book, Kellen's dad was killed because he was like, hey, the Hadidi are multiplying. And they were like, you're full of shit. You must die. And they branded him like a, a, a dirty liar. I don't know. But so Tao, at the beginning of the book, he's fighting Uchak, Achak, 
I think that's the king's name. Which is a great fight, by the way. He just kept multiplying, and then he would go into the underworld and, like, find who the real king was. And he, it, it was a really good fight. And the whole multiplying thing was really cool. I really liked the vision of that. But Tao does not tell anybody this information. I'm pretty sure he didn't. I was kind of skipping around during some of the scenes. However, he doesn't tell, if I recall, tell me if I'm wrong, he doesn't tell anybody that the Hadini king was multiplying. Because that might be important information if they can multiply. Like, that's why they have so many fighters. Like, we saw that in the prologue in book one. She was, somebody was seeing them multiply. I think it was Sora. Sorry. Sorry, the champion. Um, but you would think that would be important information that he would want to share with people. And I, if he hasn't, clearly it's because... Evan doesn't want to release that information too early because then it moves the plot along too quickly. He wants to kind of save that to create something. But I'm just like, I feel like Kellen's dad was killed because of this. And then he saw it and he, I think he knows it. I think he knows that Kellen's dad was killed because of it. He don't even, he didn't even say anything. I could be wrong. I read stuff wrong sometimes. I don't know. Let me know. I just thought that was really odd that he just didn't bother to mention it to anybody. You would think he would tell Hadith or somebody, but no, he just kept that to himself. All right. Well, the ending of the book was really good. I was not expecting them to be like, hey, 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 we're from the Hadini, and uh, I think we got some other people we need to check out first before we kill each other. Okay. So I thought that was a pretty good ending. I'm excited for the third book. I wasn't sure if I was going to read it, but I think I will because I'm I'm curious about these call people. But yeah, if you too liked it, if I missed something, let me know in the comments. Um, you can follow us. I never know our Instagram. It let me look it up. <laughs> it is um, excuse my slow phone here. Uh. We are the, okay, so our Instagram is Novel Universe Pod, so you can follow us on there. You can go ahead and like us and follow us here, wherever you are listening to our podcast. But this is the actual last podcast of 2020, and Ashley and I will see you in 2021 when our first book of the year will be Lore by Alexandra Bracken. Until then, we'll catch you the next podcast. <laughs>